Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, this is Carmen and Christina, and this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible dealing with topics like racism, corruption, and genocide, but more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. And also, everybody, I apologize for my voice. I am sick right now. It is Christina's fault that I'm sick also. Uh, it's actually my children's fault. It's Christina's children's fault. Yeah. My nibblings got me sick. The sacrifice of being a tia, being the cool tia. I just, that when you said they were sick, I was going to not go. <laughs> I did say, yeah. So you did warn me. Mm-hmm. And then and I, I told was like, mommy. well, maybe I'll go, but I'll stay at a hotel. And I was like, nah, it'll be fine. And then I was like, well, everyone's going to be sick. I might as well just go and get our brother's family sick too. Yeah. So everyone's sick right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the the patient zero z- were Christina's kids. <laughs> They were, yeah. <laughs> my bad. So yeah, um, I'm sorry for Carmen's voice. It's just a little cold. Yeah. In behalf of my children, I'm sorry for Carmen's voice right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Today's story is one of uh, resistance and community, I would say. Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the United Farm Workers, but specifically one person from the United Farm Workers. Because when we hear United Farm Workers, obviously we think of like Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta. But there was vital members that were not them too. <laughs> Surprise, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of these members, her name was Jessie de la Cruz. And this woman single-handedly signed up more people to join the union than like anyone else. Oh, wow. In the existence of the union. Uh, and it's a very long, um, I mean, I read a book about her and then I wanted to include almost every single thing that I read and that's not possible. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to be telling a little bit about how she grew up and then just her involvement in the United, um, is it? Yeah, it's the United yeah. Farm Workers, right? I was going to say Union Farm Workers and I was like, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm going to be talking about. Jessie de la Cruz, she was born... Um, not De La Cruz, that's her married name. So she was uh, Lopez. Anyway, she was born in 1919 in Anaheim, California. Her parents were Guadalupe Lopez, and actually her father was unknown. Oh. And her stepfather was in her life until 1931. Uh, she was the eldest of three daughters, and the family lived in a multi generational, mm-hmm. thank you, yes, home consisting of her abuelitos, Basilio and Rita, her tios, Edward, Dionisio, Basilio Jr., and then her tias, Dominga, Guillerma, and Maria. And Maria, she considered a sister, so she didn't call her tia because she was one year in, apart from age, in age from her. The family all traveled together up and down California following seasonal farm work, and they were poor, working class, as soon as the children could, they all began working the fields alongside the adults. Jesse remembers being four and working. Yeah, that was really young. It was, right? When there was no work, she was in school. But as soon as like work, the season began, she would be pulled out of school. And Yeah, that was common. Yeah, this is super common. And she recalls attending at least 47 schools because of this. Wow. The family, I mean, they were working hard, but 
they were happy together until tragedy struck in 1929. So the family was working and living in a camp in Arvin, California. And Jesse's Tia Maria, so the one she considered a sister, mm-hmm. died in the field. Oh she my. burned to death <gasps> in front of everyone. Oh my God. Yeah. They were in the fields and like, so everyone worked in these fields and like lived in these fields Mm -hmm. and the working conditions were um, terrible. So the way they washed clothes was like, there was kerosene nearby. There was a, a lighter and they would boil that. They used that to boil water to put clothes into a tub. Mm -hmm. And so there was other kids in the field and they were playing with uh, the fire used to boil clothes. Oh God. And one boy accidentally splashed kerosene on Maria's dress and it caught fire. And um, Rita, her uh, Jesse's grandmother, ran after Maria to pet the fire out. And she's like yelling like, Maria, para, Maria, para, like stop running. But she probably couldn't stop running because of her like instincts yes. from her body or whatever. Like, yeah. And like all Rita wanted to do was catch up to her oh to pat God. the fire. I cried when I read that um, because it happened in front of the whole family. Everyone was working in these yeah. fields together. She couldn't catch up to her. Basilio, the grandfather, and they're her parents, right? Not uh, grandparents. Maria's grandparents are her parents. So he had a blanket and he eventually caught up to her and wrapped her in the blanket and put out the fire that way and then rushed her to the hospital. But it was 12 miles away and it was too late. Oh, my God. Terrible. And this would be the first tragedy uh, in Jesse's life. Sadly, it wouldn't be the last because just a few months after Maria's death, Jesse's own mother, Guadalupe, began experiencing terrible back pain, like absolutely nothing would improve it. And it got to the point where she was bedridden and she'd cry out in agonizing pain. Mm, wow. And Rita would like beg Guadalupe, like, tell me what's wrong. Dime que tienes. And... Guadalupe would just scream like it hurts and nobody knew what happened and she died in uh, 1930. After years, like decades later, they suspected that it was cancer. Oh my. But they had no health care. There was yeah. no continue, continue. There was no care. There was nothing. Yeah. And so they didn't know. And that was only a few months after Maria. And this is all in Arvin when it happened. Arvin, California. Where is Arvin? I'm assuming it's like somewhere in the Oh, you know what? I only know because someone asked for a scary story from Arvin. And I'm like, where the hell is Arvin? Uh Years, like a year ago. That's why I got to know a bunch of like names of cities in California that I had no idea. I know some little towns around here. I think it's San Joaquin Valley. Let me double check. San Joaquin Valley? No, it might like be Fresno. No, maybe Arvin. It's a small city for sure. So like a town, not even like a city, like a small. Yeah, closer to a town. In Kern County. Kern County. Okay, by Bakersfield. No. Yes, by Bakersfield. Okay, I just need to know the major cities around and I can place it in my head. <laughs> me too. Me too. That's why I'm like, you're right. I should look it up. And so I'm glad you asked because no one's going to know. Not a lot of people are going to know where Arvin is. Yeah. Um, Listening either. So yeah. Kern County. And yeah, actually, 12 miles away was the biggest hospital in Bakersfield. Oh. Or the only hospital. It was in Bakersfield. And they were 12 miles away. Because this was also a while ago. So. Yes. Yeah. And now, you know, Rita and her siblings were uh, motherless and they were already fatherless. Their father was not around. That's right. Yeah. And the the stepfather was like in and out of their lives. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he'd work and he'd like give them money, but he was just kind of not mm-hmm. really around either. And he actually fled to Mexico after a fight because he thought he killed someone in this fight. Oh, wow. um, so then he was just not around at all either. And so Rita and Basilio took Jesse and her siblings to live with them in Anaheim. And this is where they had built a house. Not nothing fancy, just how people built their own homes back then. And Basilio worked for a railroad company. And for a while, they were living there safe. It was like a good job. Uh, they had a house, you know, um, mm-hmm. they were living OK, like they were doing it, you know. This would not last. Uh, Basilio hurt his finger. No. It was cr- yeah. Stop. <laughs> I know. It just doesn't end. It does <sighs> not end. He hurt his finger, was crushed by a cement pipe. And oh, wow. while his finger was healing, his job was given to another man. Ugh. After this, the family was forced to return to the fields because he didn't 
he wasn't able to get that job back they weren't able to pay uh property taxes on their oh, house man. even though they built it yeah um and they lost their house and so they had to return to farm work so they went to san joaquin valley and here basilio became ill with a pneumonia like illness no, no and he died i know and this is june 14 1930 this is like not even that long. Like this is right? fucking terrible. March is when Guadalupe yeah. died. June is when he died, and then Maria had died three months before. Oh, and man. so, what is that? January or December? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is in a span of less than a year. Yeah, almost a span of six months. Mm-hmm. Awful. So now the family is like, what the hell are we going to do? So Jesse's oldest tios became the main breadwinners of the family. Man. And one of them had a, a decent job working on the roads in somewhere in like Anaheim. But then he lost that job, too, because of the Great Depression. Mm. And so now they were all doing farm work um, again. And so they moved to Claremont uh, to work in the field. And they just went like up and down California working the fields together. And in 1932, while working in the bean fields of San Juan Capistrano, do you know where that's at? Um, it sounds like really familiar. Yeah, might as well. I don't. I couldn't tell you. I know of the city. I know the name, but I don't know. So let me just look it up. San Juan. So this is in Orange County. Yeah, I mean okay. that gives everyone yeah. a good idea. And so. While there, there was a commotion while Jesse was, uh, you know, working. She asked her grandmother what was going on. And Rita told her, es una huelga. It's a strike. Mm. This was the first time Jesse heard the word huelga. And she asked, like, why were they doing this? And Rita told her they want better pay. Jesse's family did not join the strike, but they also didn't cross the picket line after the strike broke out. Okay. They stayed there a couple days um, to see if it would end mm-hmm. and maybe they could start working. While they were there waiting a couple days, an official from the Mexican consulate arrived and he wanted to know what was happening because most of the huelguistas were Mexican citizens. They were not uh, from the United States. Mm-hmm. So he was like, does anyone know English? And Jesse was like, I do. <laughs> I've been to 47 schools. <laughs> How old was she at this point? This is 1932... She was born in 1911, I said. Oh, okay. 1932? Mm Mm-hmm. 1932 minus 1919. She was 13. Okay. Yeah. I think at this point she had been to like 20-something school, Mm -hmm. not not 40-something. 47 in her lifetime, for sure. But more Mm -hmm. than 20 schools by this point, I know, because I read that. So she was like, I'll translate And she went around the fields with this uh, Mexican official. And for the first time in her life, she felt useful. So this was her first taste of like fighting back. Her first taste of resistance. Mm -hmm. The family didn't stay long enough to see the outcome of this strike. But likely and probably the strike failed because the workers were not organized. They did not have a union. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though it failed, like this sparked something in young Jesse. So they returned. um, Oh, sorry. They still had their home in Anaheim. (laughs) Oh, they returned to Anaheim. (laughs) They will lose it, though. And if not in 1933, like pretty soon. And I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because like you already said it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. Um, So they returned to Anaheim. And then in 1933, they returned. uh, They left Anaheim and went back to San Joaquin. No, we said Arvin County was not in San Joaquin. I wrote the wrong shit. Because I earlier, yeah. It's not. It's in Kern County. Kern County. Yeah. So they went they back returned, to Kern County? Yeah, they okay. went to Kern County to Arvin. And this was where tragedy, where Jesse knew tragedy. Maria yeah. had died here. Her mom had died here. This, I don't think this is where Basilio died. They were somewhere else, I think, at that point. But you know what else, though? Because they moved around so much, like, and they buried family members where they died. Like, everyone's just not in the same place either. They're, like, scattered. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just, like, something else that I was like, damn. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Jesse, this place meant heartbreak. Um, she didn't want to go, but Rita was like, we have to go. We need yeah. to work. And so the morning after they arrived in Arvin. Something better not happen here. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
the family was ready to work when they heard chanting. They heard, huelga, huelga. This time, Jesse knew huelga was strike. It was a strike. And the family joined the strikers this time. And, and just this in this time period, there was 133 strikes in San Joaquin. Sorry, Kern San Joaquin. County. All of. No, sorry. Um, yeah, this oh, was. Wait, are you saying something else now? No, uh, I was going to say San Joaquin and Kern County. Oh, OK, OK. <laughs> but I only wrote San Joaquin Valley. Oh, again. Anyway. Yeah, but they didn't stick around during the whole strike. They left uh, to work to look for work in Fresno after that. Uh, and then they were in Sacramento after that. Then they, and they were there picking cotton and grapes. They left Sacramento and then headed to Mendota, California. Like, I don't even know where that is either. Oh, it's a uh, Fresno County. It's uh, eight and a half miles southeast of Fireball, which I know what that is. Okay, is that near Fresno? Yeah, I think it's still like a little bit further, but it's like whenever I would drive down to LA, I would see it. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if you look at a map you can you scroll back, you can see Fireball, but you can no longer see Mendota. Although mm. there it is, Mendota. Who knew? There were so many little towns, so much, whatever. Anyway, I would just keep Google Maps open so I can keep looking places up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then they went to Weed Patch, California. Do you know where that is? No. Census designated. Okay. It's not even a city or a town. It's an unincorporated community. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Bakersfield. It's closer to Bakersfield. I already said that. Oh, sorry. Oh, and Arvin. I had a population of 2,879 people in 2020. Dang. That's tiny. So yeah, they went there next. And then just 1933 to 36, they were just going up and down the valley for work. By 15, Jesse had become an experienced worker so much so that she even invented a way to uh thin onions a new way to thin onions wow because the normal way used uh this thing called a short handle hoe uh which is a they called el cortito mm-hmm. um and using that was like it ruined your back destroyed oh, wow. it and because you had to be constantly bent over and so jesse was like i'm gonna work smarter not harder mm-hmm. <laughs> and she discovered that by placing one hand in front of her thigh and then lowering herself her back straight by doing this technique she could ease the pain in her spine and like the foreman saw her uh, from six rows away and he was like what is this weirdo doing she's making a mess she doesn't mm-hmm. know what she's doing he got there and he was like wow this is way better everyone needs to do this <laughs> wow and she was very proud of her new method eventually in 1986 she would go up to congress to ban the use of el cortito amazing yes so in 1938, Jesse was 19 and she married Arnulfo. He was known as Arnoldo de la Cruz. They were young, but they had grown up together in the fields. <laughs> they eloped <laughs> and then they got back to the fields and uh, their their whole family, the both families scolded both of them. But then they saw that they were like super in love. And so then they threw a church wedding for them. Oh. They had a party in the camp. They made a makeshift dance floor with some plywood. Wow. And they made mole. (laughs) Yummy. A whole celebration. And there was no honeymoon for them. They had the fun night of celebration. And then the next morning, like at 4 a.m., they were back in the fields together, everyone. Damn. Over the next like seven-ish years, they had, uh, they were just uh, going up and down. The same thing, you know, working. uh, And they had a few kids. Uh, Raymond in 1939, Arnold in 1942, Alfred in 1944, Bobby in 1946, and then Virginia in 1947. Was that like five kids? Yeah. <laughs> right? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I don't know why I just counted them. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they would eventually end up in Huron. Huron? I don't know how to say that. H-U-R-O-N. This is a place? This is a town? Huron. I've never yeah. heard of this place. I mean, I'm guessing it's around there or not. I'm too guessing far. it's also in Kern County. Oh, Fresno County. Fresno County. Okay. It's also tiny. It says during the harvest season, the population swells to over 15,000 people due to the influx of migrant farm workers. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 
And then uh, on top of like working every day in the fields, Jesse just, you know, so that they, they could have extra income, uh, would sell lunches to the rest of the workers. And this meant that she had to wake up at 2 a.m. every single morning. Oh, God. I couldn't even get up at 6 today. I snoozed my alarm. <sighs> I, could, I could barely get up at like 5.40 something. <laughs> I don't know how how she even did any of this. <sighs> when you got to do it, you do it, you know? That's true. I don't gotta, so I don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In... 1957, the family moved to Parlier, California. Do you know where that's at? Interesting. Another town. (laughs) (laughs) Another town. It's, you know what? It's because people that... How's it spelled? ...were raised... You know, in farm in farm work, people know where all of this oh, is at, but because we don't, yeah. we don't know. Oh, it's also Fresno County. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. It's also okay. It's not tiny, tiny, but it's not huge either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where they moved in 1957, and here she began to uh, Jesse began to notice Mexican Americans using Chicano to identify themselves. Uh, she began to really, really see the terrible working conditions, the living conditions, the lack of opportunities. She saw how the growers, the farm owners, you know, mm-hmm. the they. she saw how their kids were getting ready for college. And all of them, the farm workers, their kids were getting ready to head back into the same fields that they've been living in their entire lives. Yeah. And she wanted more for her kids, for everyone. Not long after this, in uh, the early 1960s, she started hearing about Cesar Chavez, but it wasn't until 1964 that Cesar Chavez arrived in Fresno and he organized a meeting with local uh, contractors, uh, farm workers. And Arnold and Jesse uh, did attend because Arnold worked as a contractor sometimes when there was uh, like the season was getting ready to start he would go looking for more people to work on farms mm. so he was a contractor and so he went they met at like a bar uh, the rainbow i don't know if you've heard of it in fresno no um but they worked there so jesse did not go inside this bar because she did not go inside bars she was it was above her or it was below her oh, wow. <laughs> only men could go in bars back oh. then i guess only the women of the night could go in in bars so oh. it was frowned upon so she didn't go inside but after the meeting, Jesse was hesitant that like anything would change, but Arnold continued to attend so much so that in 1965, Cesar Chavez began holding meetings for the union at the De La Cruz home at their house Ooh. in Parlier. And Jesse didn't join the meetings at first, but there was like one meeting where Cesar was like, "Where's Jesse at?" And <laughs> why did I say it like that? "Where's Jesse at?" <laughs> I don't know. Bella homegirl. What is he? Yeah, Luca, where you been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't say homegirl i just added that <laughs> yeah it's just um loca bella loca where have you i don't know doesn't matter where you been where you been loca? Like right? yeah <laughs> anyway that's Jessie basically girl, you been loca <laughs> that's basically what Cesar chavez said <laughs> no but he asked uh arnold where she was at and he was like oh she's in the kitchen and Cesar Chavez was like, she belongs in the meetings. And so she that's when she started attending every meeting. And she was now part of the movement. And for two years, they continued meeting at the uh, their home. And they really they needed to recruit more people before making big strikes because yeah. they needed to have a way to support themselves during these strikes. Right. And numbers. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, this was now time to start recruiting more people into the union. And no one did this better than Jesse. She traveled from camp to camp, from Parlier to Reedley to Danuba, Orange Cove. I know where Danuba's at. <laughs> mm. And Reedley, I recognize too. I, re- I, I recognize think- Reedley. I feel like you mm-hmm. see it on I-5 or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she went up and down these places. And the plan was to build the union slowly. But the AWOC, the Agricultural Workers Organizing Committee, mainly consisting of Filipino farm workers, called a strike on September 8th, 1965. And so then on September 16th, 1965, the it was called the NFWA back then, not the United, United farm, farm Workers. workers. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's the same thing. They decided this meeting was held to decide if they would join the AWOC to strike. And the date was intentional, September 16th. Mm. 
decided they were going to strike. So the very next week, Jessie found herself on the picket line. She watched as police arrived. And when police dogs got in her face, she <laughs> she would yell, Que viva Cesar Chavez! And then she, <laughs> in her, because um, the person that wrote the book uh, interviewed her for it. And so mm -hmm. her like quotes are in there. And she was like, these dogs whimpered in fear when I said that. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> she spent weeks on the picket line. And when she wasn't on the picket line, she was getting picket line breakers to join the picket line. Amazing. <laughs> and she was good at it. Like she encountered workers that would tell her like, oh, we're only here for the season to read. And then we'll we'll return to Mexico. And she was like, honest. She was like, no, nobody goes back to Mexico. You're staying here. I know. Oh, it's so, so. I read that and I was like, oh, everybody says that. I don't even know. I don't think I have the words for it. Like, yeah, it's heartbreaking, I guess. But just you, I literally feel it in my heart. <laughs> like aching yeah. like those words just because it's like people's stories that you know it's just so common for sure because yeah everybody's like oh i'm only good there for a year to work and our mom <laughs> yeah uh, i mean a story as old as yeah time. and that's how she got them a lot of them to join um the picket lines by like just saying like no you think you're going back but you're going to be stuck here and if you're going to be stuck here you need better pay yeah this is how you get better pay you join us mm -hmm. <laughs> plus like they didn't need people you know Mm -hmm. breaking the picket line so and over the next five years 65 to 72 jesse she was the first uh united farm workers sorry the first women united farm workers organizer during that time period she signed up more members than any other person in the union so the future of the cause was not looking good thousands of farm workers were being arrested during this time during this time period, one March where Jesse and other strikers uh, were not only harassed by like officials or someone, she, she doesn't know who the, these people were. They were just like official looking people, mm -hmm. but they um, harassed them, took they wrote down their license plates, were taking pictures of them. Um, and she believes Jesse believes that these this was the FBI. Mm. Did I not say it? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, you did. It's always the FBI. And there were uh, mass arrests. Uh, hundreds were jailed for, quote unquote, disturbing the peace for chanting, huelga, huelga. Fake crime. Made up Made crime. Up crime. So then the 250 mile march, I think everyone knows about this march mm -hmm. from Delano to Fresno. Oh, my God. No, sorry. Delano to Sacramento. I was like, um, <laughs> that I was you mean to that the sounds capital? wrong. Why the hell would they go to Fresno? <laughs> <laughs> yeah my bad yeah from delano to sacramento that was the 250 mile march and like if you learn anything about these strikes la huelga si se puede yeah. <laughs> the United farm workers this is what you learned about this mm -hmm. march um so jesse joined this march when they passed through fresno and this was a little successful i mean after the march one of the largest growers in the area the schnelli Shenley, whatever, I don't know how to say it, Shenley Corporation mm. signed a contract with both the AWOC and the uh, United Farm Workers. And they uh, gave them a 35 cent raise and they created a hiring hall for workers. And uh, Jesse was a fierce believer in the cause. She defended the union wherever she went. There was uh, one occasion uh, she was working in the fields and a farm owner passed by and he was like, if you see one of those Chavez troublemakers, just go into the middle of the field because the Chavez people might start throwing rocks and dirt clods. And Jesse was like, they wouldn't do that. And then the farm owner was like, how do you know? Because I'm one of them. Yeah, she pulled out her union card and she was like, bitch, no. Um, but then she was like, she turned around and told the other workers, like, I'm not going to work for this man because he's lying about us. Um, and then she walked out of the field and everyone followed her. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was fierce, I'm telling you. And you know what? I wish someone would throw rocks at that man, but okay. Someone should. Yeah, but I don't know if you remember from learning about this, yeah. that Sister Chavez was like non-violent. Nonviolence, even though he was like a terrible person. <laughs> I'm not gonna get into that, but yeah, that's a story um, for another day. Mm -hmm, yeah, or maybe I don't know. Doesn't everybody know about that by now? <laughs> maybe, maybe it doesn't I don't know. need to be told. I don't know exactly. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, the hiring hall of the United Farm Workers Union was located at the De La Cruz home. Wow. 
Yes. And Jesse was there signing people up. <laughs> um, and she became so busy with the union that Arnold barely even saw her. But he fully supported her passion and her work. Oh, I love that. I was about to worry. Yes. No. When she came and when he's like, all right, you go do your thing. Like he didn't even he helped her. He didn't try to stop her. Like none, none of that. She even began teaching English to farm workers. Wow. Yes, through the Central California Action Association. And soon they partnered with like a local channel, Channel 53, for Fresno TV, local Fresno TV. And she, her lessons were on aired for an hour on TV. Wow. Because um, when she started doing this, she looked at the book and it was like, you know, typical English lessons. And she was like, we don't need to know any of this. We need to know about pay. We need to know yeah. about bills. We need to about we need, we need to know how to order things. We wow. need to know how to grocery shop. And that's what she taught. And this is what was aired. And Arnold would joke like, oh, I'm married to a movie star. <laughs> that, that was adorable. Oh <laughs> They continued to attend union meetings together or separate <laughs> when they could together. And during one of these meetings, Jesse asked lawyers about their rights as strikers. She asked if they were obligated to take any paperwork that police were trying to hand them. Lawyers told her, like, no, you don't need to accept anything from the police. And later, there was a strike in Clovis. <laughs> Fresno County sheriffs arrived to serve the uh, picketers, the picket line, like an injunction. Mm -hmm. This thing said, like, stop picketing or we'll arrest you if you don't. And if you receive the paper and you acknowledge that you like agree to that or to abide to that. Yes. But if you don't take the paper, they can't arrest yeah. you. Mm -hmm. And um, so they arrived there trying to serve these injunction papers. And they were like, who's the leader here? And Jesse was like, there's no leaders here. We're just the people. And then an officer was like looking her up and down. He saw the United Farm Workers emblem on the vest that she was wearing. Mm -hmm. And she had like a don't buy grapes button on this vest. And he was like, OK, are you the leader? And she said again, like, no, there's no leaders here. And uh, they were, then she started arguing with the officer. He was trying to get her to take these papers. She's like, no, I'm not taking these. And then she threw he, the officer threw the papers at her feet. And he's like, take them. And she looked at them. She's like, you're littering. <laughs> <laughs> oh and then God. she walked away. <laughs> Nobody grabbed those papers. Good. <laughs> yes. She was like, uh, uh, they told me at that meeting. <laughs> mm -hmm. We are not legally obligated to grab those papers. Later in 1968, when Cesar Chavez was in trial for a contempt of court charges, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but these charges were brought against Cesar Chavez because of the union members picketing farms. They said this was like con contempt of court, apparently. I don't know hmm. how this was even like a charge, but I th they made it up. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and he was also fasting during this time period. I don't know if you remember his like long ass fast learning about him mm, his look, fasting i forgot everything mm -hmm. i ever learned no. i recently read about it which is why i remember because like i literally I just read it i remember learning about him but yeah, yeah i yeah. don't really remember that much details <laughs> okay but you remember the long ass march and then the yeah. grapes the grape boycott yeah. right yeah those, those are like are the, the and then he, things i remember like if you were to remember anything else after that it would probably be his fasting okay. yeah i do vaguely remember it yeah and it was during this trial. Mm. Thousands were protesting outside of the courthouse and hundreds were on their knees mm. in solidarity and protest, including Jesse. Eventually, these charges were dropped. Like, they really had nothing they made against up, him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the cause went on. Jesse attended every protest. And um, in 1968, it's spring 1968, Jesse saw in the news that Ronald Reagan was going to visit Parlier. Oh, sorry. My gag reflex just just, just happened. Understandable. Like, yeah. I can't just, control yeah. it. And I hear that name. And I'm like, you know? I get it. I get it. Um, She turned around and told Arnold, like, what is that man? What business does that man com have coming here? Like, he should not be here. They had already seen him. He was governor already, right? Yes. Yeah. He. They'd already seen him doing his nonsense. His bullshit. Like, yeah. Eating grapes on, on the news. Like. Just fucking ridiculous, man. He was really the, like the the predecessor to fucking trump you know for sure like 100 people hold him in high regard and they're and when he died they're Why? like don't make those jokes about him going to hell i will i don't please care. <laughs> if there's a hell he's there he's there <laughs> for sure um so she was mad that he was gonna be there and uh, so was everyone else <laughs> and so reagan arrived but I he was there to him just I, <laughs> I wish <laughs> um so reagan arrived but he was only there to like visit the growers like the farmers not the farm Fuck workers them. 
Um, so he was there for 40 minutes and 300 farm workers gathered outside and to beat the shit out of him. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> when he was heading to his car, they threw eggs at him. No, this man has no intention of meeting with the workers, only with the growers. So as he got in his car, Jesse yelled, para el carro, para el carro, like stop the car. And so people followed her lead. They were like yelling, viva la huelga, viva la causa. Um, and then they were uh, filling his car with stickers. Good. <laughs> that, read, that read boycott grapes. And she was proud of this. But when Cesar Chavez heard, he was mad. Uh, I mean, look, they could have done worse, like I was suggesting. All they did was put stickers on this car. And like yeah. police were like, arrest those people. But they couldn't do anything. They could have popped the, charge? the tires. They could have yeah. broke the windows. They could have punched this man. Yeah, seriously. They just put stickers uh, on his car. Yeah. <laughs> Another time during a boycott in uh, a Safeway in Fresno, anti-protesters gathered around, like yelling at them, calling them communists. And uh, you know, one of them like... Anti-protesters uh -huh. for farm workers' rights? I'm like, what are you, even, what are you protesting against? <laughs> you want... Yeah, you, it doesn't make any sense. You want them to have worse weight? Like, what? Yeah. Just say what is, it. <laughs> yeah, just seriously, just say it. So one of the anti-protesters was like, how do you say communist in Spanish? And then Jesse turned around and she was like, she told the person next to her, like, Mira, mira what I'm about to do. And so she was like, she turned to the young man and she was like, Ustedes van a ganar, ustedes van a ganar. Like, that's how you say <laughs> communism in Spanish. And then the this fucking dumbass, dumbass. started yelling, Ustedes van a ganar. And um, for everyone Stupid. that doesn't speak Spanish, this means you are, are going to win. win. <laughs> yeah. So all the all the um, United Farm Workers like, yeah. and protesters, they're all laughing. And because this man in his non-Spanish accent was like, Ustedes van a ganar. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like supporting them. But he thinks he's yelling yeah. communist. Like, this is hilarious. That's so funny. And Jesse's work with the union kept growing. In 1971, Dolores Huerta contacted her to negotiate a whole ass contract wow. for um, with the uh, growers in Reedley for the union. In 1972, she met uh, Reyes Lopez Tijerina, which I'm sure you recognize that name. He's a Chicano. He was like a huge Chicano rights leader in oh. this time period. And... Yeah, it was a huge year for her. She also went to the DNC, the Democratic mm -hmm. National mm -hmm. Convention. Mm -hmm. and um, But after this trip, she found herself uh, picking tomatoes in the fields again. And she was angry. Um, she's like, why am I back here? It's 1972. She's been doing this for so long. Mm -hmm. She saw the efforts of the union being undermined by scabs. Um, scabs are people who mm -hmm. cross the picket line. And of course, like these people that were working still, a lot of them just a lot of them just didn't know mm -hmm. what was going on. They had just arrived from Mexico. They yeah. just needed work. And this was like a it's a common thing that, you know, yes, they'll just hire the recently arrived mm -hmm. migrant and pay them worse. You Less. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And like she was super angry when she came across a farmer that she knew was using undocumented workers and like she did a lot of good but i mean i'm not gonna hide anything she this was wrong what she did here so was she like sister chavez like hating undocumented workers she didn't hate them until this day where she was like they're undermining us it's been so long she was mad she called no uh, oh my god ins to have them deported but then she went to the jail to talk to them and she was like, oh, my God, she felt she felt terrible um, mm. because she learned like they didn't know how to read or write. They had just arrived. They didn't know. I mean, of course, I, I don't know how somebody wouldn't realize that ahead of time, you know, but OK. I don't know. And especially after being in this work for so long. Yeah. So, you know, she learned that these these men had no idea they were signing contracts that were undermining the union they didn't even know yeah. what the union was and she was like she she realized her mistake and she then worked to try and have them join the union which Cesar Chavez never did mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> to his dying breath he was like fuck them fuck undocumented workers yeah. I'm glad she changed and she saw what mm -hmm. she did and I was horrified to read that she did this um, but yeah it did happen see in 1973 her and Arnold became farmers themselves 
they didn't have a lot of money at all, um, but they were able to lease six acres from Roger McAfee. Do you know who that is? Mm, that um, sounds like the name of a brand, like a McAfee. Oh, I don't know. Oh, actually, that does sound like a brand. Anyway, I don't know if he has anything to do with that, but oh. Um, you know, when Angela Davis went to court and was arrested for like supposedly kidnapping and it was like the FBI just uh-huh. made all this up to have her arrested. McAfee? Yeah, this is the man who built her out. Like he was for the people, even though he was super rich. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, And so he leased them uh, these acres so they could have a farm and they worked the fields themselves with other farm workers. Look, it says when Robert McAfee was 13, he went to Mexico as an exchange student and then to Guatemala. Oh, this makes sense. And he went to Guatemala with his older brother, Robert, who he said was advising a revolutionary group that was opposing the monopoly of, guess what? The United Fruit Company. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say Chiquita Bananas, but Close they're the, the what came after. So Interesting. Okay, I'll start reading about him for now. I need to learn more about this man, too. Although this was like, this year was good for them, but only for a short time because... Not too long after, two union members were murdered by the police. Daily Fula, something like, I'm so sorry, I'm mispronouncing this completely. Yeah. But um, this union member was murdered by the police, wow. along with Juan de la Cruz, not related to Jesse de la, de la Cruz, but they knew them for a long time. Um, and this broke Jesse's heart, and she was not new to heartbreak. Um, so, yeah, that was a rough year. But, you know, as you do, life goes on. In 1974, they started a 40-acre co-op farm in near Raisin City. And I didn't even know where Raisin City was. Raisin. Like, I'm saying, like, I don't know how to yeah, like raisin, pronounce that. Like, the like raisin, like raisins. a raisin. Yeah. The ones you eat. Yeah. yeah. Raisin. Sense, another census designated. Yeah. So it's another tiny place. Population, 377 people in 2020. My goodness. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Tiny. Um, so they started a co-op farm there and this was the first of its kind. It was a new concept. Uh, there was another six co-owners, I think it might've been four or six, but this was so new that like people from all over California were coming to see their farm because they were like, how does this work? But they, they made it work. But during this whole time, like trials uh, were con- were continuing with like the the union during one of these. And uh, like this is too takes too long to go into. But the do you know who the Teamsters are? Yeah. OK. The union. Yes. Well, they basically made a like sweetheart deal with the growers, the farm owners mm-hmm. to undermine the oh, man. United Farm Workers. Teamsters, why? Yeah. And so there was a whole like whole ass feud between them. Rightfully so. Yeah. Um, And there were also trials involving both of them mm-hmm. during this whole time period. And again, it's too much to go mm-hmm. into, but we're, interesting to read about for sure. But during one of these trials, uh, Jesse went to go sit down. And then like one of the Teamsters women, she's like, I was that was my seat. And then Jesse was like, uh, uh-uh, it's my seat now. And then they were like, started arguing in oh court. God. And then they got arrested. <laughs> or whatever. And then while they were arrested, Jesse convinced this women to join the United Farm Workers. Oh my, wow. Insane. <laughs> yeah. This woman was a Teamster, like an enemy of the United yeah. Farm Workers. Got her arrested and then got her to join the United <laughs> Farm Workers. Like, that's insane. In 1975, she testified before Congress, the Select Committee on Small Business of the United States. Sorry, it was the Senate. Um, she testified and I mean, her testimony remains in record. And this was a trial because and in this time, like a, a little bit before this, uh, Jesse and some other people tried to go to like this rich businessman to buy his land. Mm-hmm. And he gave them a price of a million dollars, even though he didn't need to. Like mm-hmm. this was just like a little piece of land like that he could have given them like no biggie because he was super rich almost had like a monopoly of land in this Mm. area and so they were fighting to like say this this should not be allowed this land is no people no one person should own all this Mm. land and this is what they were fighting and why against the or at the senate to present and so her testimony i'm gonna read some nights i just prayed oh god i do not want to wake up then i thought about my children and i said i cannot give up So what I am asking right now and what I am telling you is that I and other farm workers are opposed to the Westlands contract as they are written. And I would like to have you as 
many of you people here present in this room to come to the hearings in Fresno where the farm workers will be there to talk to you. They cannot come all the way to Washington, but many of you can make the trip and please think about it and come out here and listen to us. Um, and like these senators were moved by her testimony. Although I don't know. I don't remember what happened with this. <laughs> wow. I didn't look it up because like I was already writing so much. Yeah. <laughs> like this is too much. Yeah. And Jesse remained in the United part of the union uh, until the 1980s. Arnold, her lifelong partner, he passed away in the 1990s. Um, just from like old age or illness or something. Um, nothing like wild, but just they were getting old, you know? Yeah. Um, she, and he was buried with a United Farm Workers flag on oh, his casket. Wow. And all the big people were there um, because they were big parts of the mm-hmm. Both of them were a big part of the union. Jesse retired from the union in 1993. Um, wow. I think she was like... A year after <laughs> our birth. Yeah. She died in 2013 and she was like 90, some 93. So how old would she have been in 93? Oh, wow. She was a long time. Can you remind me what year she was born? 2013? Oh, what, what? year she was born. Sorry. 1919. 74 in Okay, 93. so she retired from the union at 74 Damn. in 1993. And then she received the certificate from Cesar Chavez for her years in the union. But she continued to keep an eye on the union. And oh, and then in 1993, Cesar Chavez died. And Jesse recalled this as like the second saddest day of her life. Mm. And like she knew tragedy, yeah. you know, but um, I mean... Regardless of this man's views on like certain things, I mean, he it was like changed a lot of people. To okay, right? Like as if, exactly, you know, yes, and, and to she many people. to men, yeah, no, you're right, and so and she was close to him, yeah. So like she um, personally knew him and worked, yeah, with him. So yeah, this she said this was a second side of save her life, and like let's not forget everything she, she I said already. earlier. Yeah, she had actually lost a, chi- a child young, a oh. young child, um, when they were in. Parlier, when they first got to Parlier, I think mm. it was. So he was, it was young. It was like one of her, it was just, I think he was sick. Uh, yeah, like she knew tragedy. And this was the second side of save her life. Yeah, she kept kept up with the union after that. She saw as Cesar, one of Cesar Chavez's, I think his oldest son took over the union. And he, unlike Cesar Chavez, uh, brought in, um, like he started noticing a lot of Mishtec indigenous people from Oaxaca. So um, he saw a lot of them were making up a large amount of the people like breaking the strikes mm-hmm. and he got them to join the union. He worked with them because he was like, everybody needs a better pay. He was not anti undocumented. Oh. Yeah. So he worked with them. The union did fall in numbers just because like the number of immigrants just like rose and rose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, it's still alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Still it's still going. In fact, where it wasn't the, Yes. Do you know any farm workers involved with their recent um farm Delano worker? March. Yeah. There was another march, wasn't there? The same as uh Yes. Yeah, before. Uh-huh. Did we talk about it in one of our episodes? We did. Like, briefly? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean they're still going. Uh and yeah, Jesse just watched this new members joined, it grew, got smaller. Um, but she didn't hold like she it wasn't like, oh, look at these new people coming in, they don't know what they're doing. No, she was like proud to see it um, still going yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and she was proud to see the changes that mm-hmm. Chavez's son was making too that's good and yeah she kept on keeping an eye on it until she died in 2013 at the age of 94 I Google, I did the math um, and her funeral was held in St. John's Cathedral in downtown Fresno hundreds of people were there her wow. loved ones union members Dolores Huerta mm. And uh, she actually spoke at her funeral. She called uh, Lopez. Oh, um, I guess she went. Have I been saying? Oh, yeah. I've been saying Lopez de la Cruz this whole time, right? Not just de la Cruz. Um, I'm sorry. I can't tell you. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Someone let me know. But anyway, <laughs> she was like, Jesse Lopez de la Cruz was a courageous woman with so much dignity. People loved Jesse. She was such an inspiration to everyone. Um, and she, too, was buried with a uh, United Farm Workers flag. Mm. And I'm like, I'm sure everyone knows what this flag looks like. Oh, but yeah. it's the iconic yeah. red flag 
with the um eagle, eagle. that's like an inverted pyramid yeah. um yeah like I mean, it'd be wild to not recognize that it flag. It would be wild. I would be like, where have you been? Yeah. Loca. <laughs> <laughs> her grandsons remember her as someone dedicated to fighting injustice. Yeah, her flag was gigantic, just draped ac- across her whole casket or coffin. I don't know what the right word is. And yeah, she was laid to rest in Fresno, California. Wow. But yeah, uh, I mean, I was like, I don't know how we didn't learn about this iconic yeah women that changed so she i mean it sounds like she contributed so much to the movement uh caused so much change yes you know just like Cesar chavez and Lourdes huerta did and yeah those are the only two freaking names we hear from that movement from that exactly time. yeah yeah which is why i came across this and i was like oh i have to do this and then i kept writing i was like i need to gut things <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean the book i will link it in the show notes worth a read it's not a long read it's only like 150 pages um and we can post it to our story um yeah which have we been keeping up with that i haven't uh well i haven't been reading anything lately so oh that's true yeah yeah but yeah it's uh i was like what a life story um I some mean, people yeah. have just lived and i'm like damn what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> you're living too <laughs> You're right. You're right. Not like that, but not. <laughs> neither am I. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, that is today's episode. <laughs> Before we go, we did want to take a moment to talk about what's been happening in Florida uh, with the Senate Bill 1718. So on May 10th, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, asshole, fucking clown, yeah. loser, mm-hmm. bitch, <laughs> bitch ass loser. <laughs> He signed Senate Bill 1718, which is when he was going around promoting it. I don't know what to call it. He was it was being touted as the strongest anti-illegal immigration legislation in the country, supposedly designed supposedly to combat the supposed Biden border crisis. So the bill requires employers with 25 employees to use the E-Verify system and fines employers who fail to use it. Um, It forces hospitals and emergency departments that accept Medicaid to collect patients' immigration status, enhances penalties for human smuggling, including making knowingly transporting five or more undocumented people or a single undocumented minor a second-degree felony subject to $10,000 fine and up to 15 years in prison. And they're like trying to say this is human trafficking, but it's not. It's a dog whistling for criminalizing undocumented people that travel into Florida. Mm-hmm. And they're just pretending it's about human trafficking. It's not. And even if it were about human trafficking, they don't care about human trafficking. They yeah. care about they don't yeah, care about it, that. Yeah. But again, it's not about that. <laughs> right. And of course, I changed the language to undocumented worker. But of course, they say alien and alien all over the place. Yeah. You know, but as yeah. we know, people are not aliens. Aliens are aliens. It prohibits funding for community ID programs and validates legally issued out-of-state driver's licenses for those without regulated immigration status. Oh, and this was like a new language I saw. I didn't know. Instead of saying undocumented, some places are using staying without regulated immigration status. Oh, I did not know that. That's good to know. So that's why I wrote it like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. The bill will also have the chief of domestic security coordinate immigration enforcement actions in Florida, repeal the law allowing lawyers who are still regulating their immigration status from practicing law, and allow law enforcement agencies to collect DNA samples from people detained under a federal detainer request who do not possess a regulated immigration status. So the law could have actually been worse. I don't know if you knew this. Jeez, that's all. It's already bad. Even it could have been worse. It's already bad. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, the law could have been worse, but the Florida immigrant and ally community um, was able to push legislators before you know the bill went to Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. They were able to push legislators to remove the following through protests right and making their voices heard so it would have been and no longer right will be it will not be a crime to live with provide shelter or rent space to family members friends or neighbors who have an unregulated status 
So it was literally, it was going to be a crime to live with undocumented people. And this is like reminiscent of fucking. Yeah. HR 4437. Yeah. This is like, this sounds illegal to make this law. It sounds, yeah, it does. So it will not be a crime to provide transportation within the state of Florida to any person with an unregulated status. The e-verify system will only be required for employers of 25 employees or more. That wasn't part of it before. You do not need to provide your immigration status to hospitals. You have the right to decline to answer. So they have they have to ask, but you don't have to answer, basically. Mm-hmm. And then also in Florida News, Florida Congress approved $12 billion for um, DeSantis' stupid migrant relocation program. Oh, my God. made headlines. When um, was this? How long ago was this? Um, you know, when the... They flew the immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. And just dumped them on a... Yeah. What kind of... If you're going to do a relocation program, you need to put them somewhere that can accept people. Like, not just in the middle of a field. somewhere where a system is set up. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, And they just... Congress, Florida Congress, approved $12 for this shit to continue. Um, And of course, all of this is going to be paid for by taxpayers. Mm Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention, I think you brought this to my attention, but recently there were news of far-right militias acting a fool at the Arizona-Mexico border. Of course. Yeah, just plain fantasy border patrol agents. Like, what is wrong with them? Like, what kind of loser do you have to be, like, to, you know, be doing this kind of shit? Like, I don't even... The biggest losers ever. Like, I don't even have words to describe. I can't fucking fathom. Like, imagine being so unhappy with your life that you're, like, playing pretend... Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretend like terrorists what is your problem yeah so the group of men corralled migrants and collected biographical information for multiple groups that had just crossed the border something they have zero authority to do whatsoever like, zero among these fantasy border patrol group um of men was a proud boys member added all right influencer ethan schmidt who gained a notoriety for threatening to hunt gay people these uglies were heavily armed, and when stopped by Border Patrol, they questioned if Border Patrol agents were on the cartel payroll. So it's like they they pretend My to respect God. authority, but they see themselves above authority as well. So, and this group of uglies also harassed volunteers. <laughs> affili- <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm laughing at the group of uglies. <laughs> so yeah, this group of uglies also harassed volunteers affiliated with the Green Valley. Saguarita Samaritans, like the people that put out water. Yes. Yeah. Awful news. And I know a lot of people's, um, a lot of liberal people's responses. It's like, oh, Florida should drown. But (laughs) there are people. That's not the answer. Affected by these, you know. That is never the answer. (laughs) Yeah. It's not. Let's just drown this whole thing. Like, shut the fuck up. Like the same shit with Texas. Oh, let them freeze. Like, hello. There are people that are affected by these tyrannical uh, racist policies, governments and policies yeah. uh, that are fighting it and have been fighting it um, for a long time. So for you, I don't know, living, let's say in California to be like, forget yeah. them. Like that's wrong <laughs> for you living in Portland. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will also add that there is apparently a um, national boycott on na- uh, June 1st. Yeah. Solidarity with the immigrant community. Of Florida, and you know what? It's it's going on in Florida, but DeSantis is running for fucking president. Insane, and I'm not even gonna like, cause you know when Trump was running, everyone's like, "There's no way he's gonna win." Like, I you I don't know anything. Uh, there's a very real possibility that DeSantis will win, and he's purposely yeah. making these laws like, oh, the Biden crisis, oh, this and that, to garner like attention. Um, just the same shit, his uh, vineyard shit. That was like a publicity yeah. stunt, you know, to gain attention. But it's like real people's lives are harmed. Affected by this by nonsense. This yeah. And it is nonsense. Like, what is this to you? Like, you're hurting people's lives. This is not a game. Yeah. Right? Like, no. And I'm sorry that you look <sighs> like a toad and that you're unhappy with life. Toad face. And all you uglies need to just stop. Stop. Yeah. Like we know Just you're let jealous. People live. <laughs> Open all the borders. I don't care. I don't care. These things are made up. 
Like, I don't give a fuck. Abolish ice. Open all the borders. Do you want them in your house? Yeah, I don't care. Bring them. Yeah. Like, I don't care. <laughs> what you have to say? Ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's today's episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah, and thank you. And we yeah. have noticed um, we have more ratings. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah. thank you, everybody. Thank you for leaving um, ratings, um, interacting with our posts. Mm-hmm. Comments. I saw comments on Spotify. Yeah. Super cool. Thank you. Yeah. And oh, we hope that this is one less historia unknown for you. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, bye. Bye.